Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Wow, what a limousine explosion of an episode. Yeah, so week two of JoJo's Bachelorette experience, and things really took a turn for the violently misogynistic. Mostly thanks to one particularly masculine suitor. Yes, this week on The Bachelorette, our fair damsel had a choice. Did she want a bevy of compliment-giving, hobby-having, emotion-feeling boys, or a sliced turkey-chewing, pull-up-doing, protein-shake-making man? Actually, she didn't really have a choice. She wanted a man, and that's something that Chad already knew perfectly well. He knew a lot about men and a lot about men protein shakes. (laughs) So much to learn from him. And today, in our quest to figure out what exactly is wrong with Chad and whether it's fixable, we're joined by one of our favorite Bachelor alumni, Charlene Joint. Aw, thank you guys. (laughs) It's nice to be back. Thanks for coming on today. I think we have... A lot to dive into. (laughs) A lot, yes. (laughs) Yeah. At a certain point this episode, just trying to keep track of moments that weren't horrifically offensive, but but they were few and far between. Yeah. He really just couldn't—he couldn't stop. I do feel like he's playing the part, though, with gusto. Yeah. He's really embracing his own uh, villain persona, but in a way that feels— like, he might genuinely be a, a garbage human versus J.J., who was a charming villain. Well, you say that in retrospect, having seen <laughs> right. him on in person. <laughs> <and> in, person. <laughs> oh, in person as well, yeah. It's funny how he says something like what you said. He was like, she, she's, she, she's a woman. She wants a man. Like, he's, he knows what she wants, apparently. <laughs> Yet, when everyone's upset that they didn't get a date, he's like, you guys haven't known her. Like, you don't, we don't know yeah. her. Like, what's there to love? We don't well, know anything Yeah, about he her. doesn't know her well enough to know if he likes her. He yeah. just knows her well enough to know that she wants him. Well, I'm not sure if you realize, but Chad has met a lot of beautiful women. Therefore, <laughs> yeah. he is an expert on, on what women all in general. beautiful women <laughs> only, want, only beautiful which ones. is him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have a feeling he might not 
be so giving to a to a not beautiful woman. Not that he was particularly giving I, to JoJo. I'm confused that you keep saying words like women. Who are all these women? <laughs> What's a woman? Girls. 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 Sorry. Girls. <laughs> Get it right. Thank you. He's never met any beautiful women, only beautiful girls. Exactly. A, a girl like JoJo doesn't need a boy. She needs a man. <laughs> Who are boys supposed to date if girls are off the table? I'm really – doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But um, so the first group date, honestly, even when Chad wasn't involved, things were very kind of misogynistic. <laughs> like the first group date is literally like save the damsel in distress. Well, it started out okay with it's, her like putting out the fire. Like, say. yeah, this is yeah. off to a great start. Yeah. And then the suddenly she was completely helpless. Yeah, and I, I, I was into it at yeah. first. Like, yes, she looked Jojo. hot too. She looked super hot. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah. her big fireman pants. Fire, <laughs> Firewoman like, use, pants. Use that the thing is, yeah. The jokes really wrote themselves. <laughs> yeah, Daniel, I think, made that joke. I loved Wells on this date. Oh, He's yeah. adorable. I fully <laughs> fell in love with him. It's like, this is a man who is terrible at tests of physical strength, carries around photos of his dog, and is self-deprecating. Obviously, I'm I'm all in. This is the first time someone who's been my type has ever yeah, been on the, yeah, the I know. Yeah. No, I completely agree. He's totally atypical for this show. And I like that, like, usually a guy on this show in his position would get really defensive and be like, this is a stupid activity anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah. is this? You know, and he was just like, I'm going to try not to die. <laughs> and that was so appealing. Lean into your weaknesses. Yeah. Man. yeah. That's the thing is that usually the, the men on the show have a hard time embracing that it's about having fun, which we're really seeing embodied in, in Chad this season. That It's not about winning the activity. It's about having fun with it and showing that you're, like, laid back and you'll be pleasant to do things with over the course of a lifetime together. And Wells was the embodiment of that. He was like, I might not be able to save you in a life-threatening situation, but you'll have a good chuckle as we die together in an inferno. Yeah. Yeah, he won me over. He was so cute. So on that group date, I think we had also Vinny, Daniel, the model— why is he still here? <laughs> Ali, who did not get enough we screen time this episode. We have not seen enough Ali. He is so cute. He's so, so cute. He is Prince Ali or Aladdin. Yeah. Yes. He really is. He is. More Ali. He's so charming. Um, Luke, who grew on me this episode. Me too. He was he was cool. Grant, a real fire firefighter. It would have been so embarrassing for Grant yeah. had he not won this challenge. Yeah. It yeah. made me feel reassured that our actual firefighters are good at saving people from burning buildings. <laughs> but you're right. If he had not won, that just would have been so embarrassing. But yeah. now he's just like at par. He's yeah. back where he started. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some random other people were there who James all looked F, the same. Who James for F. some reason is getting more screen time than Ali even yeah. though there's nothing Who's interesting James about F? him. The one who owns a boxing club and I wears a lot of plaid shirts. I think he's the one shirts. who wears uh, undershirts. <laughs> Crew neck undershirts. I'm really narrowing it down for me, Claire. <laughs> undershirts are no longer a thing, so I really okay. noticed that. Okay. I'm like, are you one of my high school classmates? <laughs> like, come on. He doesn't have a lot going for him. Yeah, I've just seen a photo. Yeah, he's got he's had some funny ITMs, I feel like. He's good at narrating. Yeah. So I think that's why he's been getting some screen time. Yeah. Him and, that is and the other James, James S., the oh, Bachelor Super fan. I was so sad. He grew he, on me this episode yeah. also. I wanted yeah. him to stay. For me too. A while. I, uh, he, I felt like he, he was Tanner me. qualities. 
Yeah. <laughs> I saw myself in him. He was a bit stand-in <laughs> for the audience. Yeah. Basically, the, the group date, to backtrack a little bit, it starts with all the men coming outside to find a limo literally just burning to a crisp in front of them. <laughs> um, Which they seemed pretty calm they about. They seemed really <laughs> chill about it. I was like, what if this was an accident? Yeah. Like, l- no one You're seemed so to— jaded by the fact that weird things are going to happen. I think you're like, well— yeah, this is just so obviously a stunt. And Chase and is in the moment. It was like, oh, I was like, is JoJo in there? Should I get a fire extinguisher? Yeah, does someone need to be a hero here? Yeah, I was like, dude, Chase, if JoJo is in that limo, a fire extinguisher is going to do nothing for her at this point. Well, like, it's Chase over. is not a firefighter, Claire. No, that's true. <laughs> so, so the second half of the first group date, in which Chad is actually not a part of— um, Grant gets a little bit of one-on-one time. They seem to, you know, he'll stick around I, I, for a little I while. I have nothing against Grant. I just feel neither here nor there about him. He's, He's a little boring. And he makes a comment about how he'll always tell her that he loves her because he might die in a fire, which yeah. was dark. That reminded me of his limo exit, how he's like, I won't fall in love with two women. I'll only fall in love <laughs> with you or whatever. Yeah. I don't like the, like— the the deaf like how it sounds like this is definitely going to happen like he should yeah. be like I wouldn't fall in love with you right if yeah. I had more yeah. than one romantic yeah. option in this moment <laughs> yeah, yeah that as well yeah yeah he's like he's the doing he the the thing that Chad is a little hyper attuned to which is acting like they are already in love yes he seems very well intentioned but yes um, did and did that was guys? impressive oh. the firefighting yeah. thing I yes. mean but also that's sexy. Yeah, yeah, it was really impressive. I think JoJo's into into that, but she was also really into Wells's vulnerable thing, which surprised me because I think she's really into traditional manly. That made me yeah. that made me like her even more. I was like, I'm yeah. glad that you realize that that's adorable. I feel like JoJo was a little more open minded in terms of like, oh, I don't need a guy who's six feet tall, or I don't need a guy that's super ripped. Yeah, there is more variation. Yeah. Um, right, we have Alex. She doesn't want America to think that she doesn't like short men. According to Chad. <laughs> According to Chad. <laughs> Chad seems very, not to go back to Chad, but to go back to it's Chad. It's so hard not to. He's this is very, very podcast. preoccupied with the fact that Alex is not super tall. Yeah. Which is such an indication of insecurity on his part to me. Alex is a Marine. Yeah, He's, and that's low-hanging fruit to yeah. make fun of someone's height. Right, it's, like, it's completely on. out of their control. And also... Alex is doing pretty well. He's, he's hot. He's hot. He, yeah, he's really cute. Yeah. Sorry, Chad. You don't Sorry, have to be six feet to be attractive. Yeah. No. <laughs> Did either of you notice that there was a brief aside in which we learned that Evan has children? Yeah. They, they just like, glossed over it. Three children, yeah, I think. In that's the a lot. He's like 28. No, he's, he's 33 or 34. I love Evan. I really like him. I know you guys that, don't like him. Oh no, my god! I know that he's there. <laughs> his deal to be breakers made fun are so of. bad. What are his deal breakers? Chipped nail polish. Oh, <laughs> I mean, and he girls doesn't... with food allergies. You're yes. kidding? No, yeah. that's written on. Oh, maybe that's, he was trying his, to be funny. His bio was so maybe. douchey, but he's so not. Bad. He's coming off pretty funny. Yeah, I really like him. I, th- I like how expressive he is. I just wish yeah. his hair was better. Oh, he's his coming hair. off well, but I also think that everyone is coming off well right now because Chad is getting <laughs> yeah. the hardcore villain at it, and mm-hmm. I wonder yes. if, like, once Chad leaves, 
that that'll be shifted around a little bit. I've got to say, if Chad had not been in yesterday's episode, though, it would have been a, a snore. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he really was brought very it. entertaining. Yeah. I want him to stick like, around. Like, the deli I, know, I don't know what was going on that, but I was laughing He must have eaten literal it. pounds of it. I loved it. <laughs> okay. We have to come back to that. We are getting okay, okay. so far off track. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, group date, um, number one, Grant gets a kiss. So does Luke. Hardcore makeout. Yeah, and that was pretty. He really. Epic one. Yeah. yeah. They, Luke is going to be around for a while. She's very into doubt. Luke. Yeah. And he's. He is growing on me. And yeah. he was last out of the limo. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Jordan was first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there we contenders. go. Major players. Yeah. And, and uh, Wells gets the group date rose. Yeah. Which made me really happy. Yeah. That was pretty sweet. And then it's the first one-on-one, which goes to Derek. Who like, is Derek? He's John Krasinski. He's so cute. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I found him on Instagram. I was doing a... Down the rabbit hole Instagram yeah. stalking of all of the men. As you do. <laughs> and his selfies on his Instagram look exactly like John Krasinski. It's uncanny. Wait, he's got a lot of selfies that make me like him slightly less. There's some selfies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fickle. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Well, he seems to be very good friends with Wells, according to social media. Okay. And, which made me like him more. Okay. I like I'm how he's so, like, humble. Like, he's he really, I feel like he makes fun of himself and or can make fun of himself. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so do we have anything else to say about Derek's one-on-one date? Do we have anything oh, at all I to say? I have things to say. About oh, their oh. hard choices they made? The, was there <laughs> anything else said the entire time except really just not even, it's not even a pun. They're just like, we made some choices today. <laughs> yes, that's literally what you did. It's not, it, and JoJo just being like, well, this was so great going here with Derek. This was perfect. We got to make some really um, difficult choices together throughout the day. And I'm like, you're describing a first date. That sounds so terrible. <laughs> it's true, Can actually. you make it sound a little bit more fun? Like, she seemed like to be trying to convey that they had a good time. private planes. That's <laughs> what you did. One of them might have been a boat because the <laughs> other option was C. True. In which case, I think they made the right choice. <laughs> Yeah, it was not that eventful. Yeah. yeah. He seems I, really normal, like real Which guy. is not going to bode yeah. that well for him. Yeah, yeah, probably not. But yeah, I'm a fan. I think I would adorable. hang out with him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So Derek has a nice, nice date, gets the rose. And group date two is Jordan, Christian, Nick, James Taylor, Alex, and Chad. Dun, dun, dun. And they wind up at ESPN, where JoJo throws a little shade at Steph Curry, who is busy leading an enormous, truly staggering come-from-behind NBA uh, semifinals. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whatever. Wait, do you know what she's talking about? They came from behind to win the series in Game 7 last night. It was very exciting. Yay. He's, Sports. He's very, very talented. Anyway, she called him pretty decent or something like that. Like JoJo. <laughs> I, I, this is why women shouldn't be on beginning sports completely shows. lost me. Anyway, so they're <laughs> at ESPN, and fortunately that means there are some men there to pick JoJo's future husband. 
they also uniquely qualified to judge yeah. her future partners. Just Although, random dudes who I work did, at ESPN. I did appreciate that this was the Bachelor franchise fully embracing that they are a TV sport. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is an argument that many people have made, like The Bachelor and Bachelorette are the best sport on TV. And I, I liked seeing that sort of meta commentary, like yeah. we're going no, all in right. on it. Yeah, they did the power rankings at the end. So they basically they have two um, sports announcers to sort of oversee the day's events, pick the best man for JoJo, protect her, as they put it, uh, from the dudes. Yeah. Taking the role of her brothers, yes, if you will. Which we were <laughs> so excited to see her out in the wild, free from her brothers at last, but not for long. (laughs) And so they set up in sort of the reenactment space that they have where there's a mini sort of football field. They set up some romance-themed games. Some obstacle courses. I didn't understand this activity. And it could it be because I, think it was I a don't stretch. know sports at all. No, like I don't think there was much. Thing, much to... The dancing thing was oh, a, was like an end zone, zone dance. dance. Oh, yeah. like when you've just scored a goal or something? A touchdown. touchdown. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, isn't, this isn't Juan Pablo's season. Um, I think they just they really wanted um, Jordan to have a chance to mention the fact that he used to play football and his brother currently but plays But really football. it was more a chance for Chad to mock Jordan for right. no longer playing football and for having a brother who plays football. Um, and they all did really weird end zone dances. One of them With took a, a shower. In the, and then there was a proposal event. And that is when Chad takes the opportunity to call JoJo Nagy. Yeah. Be, so all of the men... Um, do a proposal that is flowery. Um, what They're giving her a preview of what a proposal from them would be like. They, you know, my queen, my heart, you're my, my everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was Christian. Yes, it was. Um, I do have a little crush on Christian. I think he's adorable. Yeah. Um, they're doing the proposals. All the men are doing these flowery proposals. Um, and Chad is just stewing because they're all lying to JoJo. They don't know that she's their queen. They don't know (laughs) that they love everything about her. They just met her. This is insane. Are they actors or are they men? (laughs) And so he gets down on one knee and says, will you marry me? Which, by the way, is a lie because he's not really asking her to marry him. So he's also an actor. He's also an an actor. And she says... Is that it? You know, like you're not going to nothing about how much you love me or whatever. And he, yeah. And that is when he. Oh, what you. He's like, if we're at the point where I'm proposing, you know how much I love you. Yeah. You know what I love about you. What you you need me to tell you all the things I love about you. It's nice to hear it. It's a peeve of mine when men can't compliment, you know, just freely like that. Or when, when a girl clearly is fishing. Like it's, it's a, what's the big deal? Also, you're on the bachelorette. You're on the bachelorette. Yeah, you are, your only purpose on this show <laughs> is to vie for the affections of the yeah. woman. Yeah, so get on board mm-hmm. or take yourself out of the game. Yeah, but he knows what she wants. She wants someone who will call her Naggy instead of giving her a compliment. <laughs> I feel like he read uh, one of those pickup artist manuals oh, that yeah, teaches nagging. men how to neg women. One hundred percent spends all his free time on two subreddits <laughs> for men's the rights Red Pill activists and. Yeah, and a bodybuilding one. All his time. All his time. 
You're totally right. The negging thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He just can't. It's like he's trying to target her and therefore is pretending like he doesn't care about her. So basically Chad is a huge bad sport and is the worst. And all the other men kind of call him out. And then Chad. I uh, thought Jordan called him out the best, can I just say, when he was like, you know, they all had to like vote who they're like. Who right. was the worst? Yeah, who was the worst? <laughs> yeah, they're doing the final event as like the a post game interview yeah. style. And Jordan like, was like, I sucks. he was like, I love you, buddy, Chad. But you know, I just feel like the word naggy and a proposal don't go hand in hand. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. did well. He, yeah, he was um, not super aggressive about it, but yeah. got his point across. Yeah, which was nice. Yeah, that those are the dates. Oh yeah, James gets James Taylor. Yes. gets the rose because he wrote, he won the power rankings. Oh yeah, yeah, he, which is unexpected actually. Yeah, I was I think shocked. They, just, they found him very charming. He seems to be like getting him. along really well with all the other men. Yeah. yeah, he seems to be someone who just kind of has fun. And then he could also open up and be vulnerable. Yeah, and, he made her cry. Right, he wrote he wrote a whole thing. Yeah, it was really yeah. he wrote a Sweet. speech. I'm sorry, the thing that he said though. <laughs> A smile is the only thing you see on the outside that comes from the inside. I was like, all that does is immediately make me think of all the things that you see on the outside that that come from from the inside. (laughs) And most of them are not appropriate to mention on a podcast. Um, Okay, so we're— Cocktail hour. Um. So Otherwise more Chad. Like meat fest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I never realized that there even was food at the cocktail oh, yes, hour until is. this episode. Are you kidding? They, they never really that's why show they're all, it. like milling about in the kitchen. They I never mean, show people sense. eating, really. Yeah, because usually like the camera, like, I don't know, that's sort of like a no-go zone unless something's happening in there. I would eat you were all just the free stuffing food. deli meat in your well, face. That's not always it's just for rose ceremonies. So also was the spread mm-hmm. good. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the problem is you don't want to, like, if you're wearing, like, a tight dress, you're not going to, like, right. s- stuff your face. That wasn't a problem <laughs> for Chad. <laughs> no, he did not have that insecurity. He didn't want to miss a day of protein because then the whole structure, you know, just goes to fat <laughs> is what I've heard. That was the most relatable Chad has been, though, on the series was him just standing by the snack table. I don't know. It started out relatable, and then, and then he it got, got extreme. It got to the point where he was walking up to the the risers for the rose ceremony, just eating yeah. a wad <laughs> of sliced meat like an apple. And I was like, it's probably pretty late at night, and you've been eating wads of meat for hours, and you can't just take a little break that you know, I, like right now. No, I agree. Like, I felt like— you, they could have taken these different clips of him eating just in different settings and, like, just put them all in to make it seem like he was eating all throughout the night. Yeah. But the fact that they had ITMs of, like, six different guys talking about how much meat yeah. he was eating. Yeah. And then that, yeah, he was on the risers. Yeah. Still eating. It was, That's like, so funny. They, it at wasn't... that point, it's been, like, six hours. <laughs> but that was the thing is that I'm very conscious of, like, if it was just— sort of little snippets of him on the couch over here or standing over there. It seemed constant. But it was, (laughs) but it was identifiable moments, you know, that were spread out over the night. And that different confrontations. Yeah, different confrontations, different of his in the moment. (laughs) Who was eating meat during their in the moments? He was chewing while he was talking. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to write a song about how much I love her. Yeah. I will keep working out, keep making protein shades. 
keep eating the food, keep doing what I do. <laughs> right. It's like if you have any sort of talents or hobbies or interests outside of eating and developing your muscles, you're like a woman or you're an effeminate Though he boy. did drop both a Care Bears reference and a West Side Story oh reference. Oh my god, that oh was gosh. funny, actually. <laughs> I mean, he was like, they're going to confront me, like, um... Vaguely or something. Like, he, he was yeah. really, like, I gotta say, he said a few things that were kind of true. And yeah, that's and, the unfortunate thing about Chad is that he can't, he does identify some of the more ridiculous elements of the show, but in a way that is so off putting mm-hmm. that he's just that making enemies. Yeah, that you can't even appreciate him. I had to laugh when, like, for the group date, people were upset that they hadn't gotten a date at all, and he was like, You've lived your entire life <laughs> going on a date with her up to this point. Also, like, we've been here five days. It's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I, that cracked me up because I do feel like he will say things that, as a as a viewer who watches critically, you're kind of like, it's true. But then he'll be such a dick that you're like, why do you, like, yeah. negate all, exactly. the, all the truth you're saying the, by being such a the dick? The thing is that, like, we say that as viewers and we're sort of kidding. Like, we're being critical, but we're kidding. And he has no sense of humor at all. He's just like, you guys are morons. But then the minute that he's inconvenienced, he's like, I came here and I want to get that date, you know, and I didn't get it. Yeah. You know, he thinks he should get the rose. You just met JoJo. Why do you want the rose so much? Why do you care so much? Yeah. I thought the West Side Story thing was funny. Also, I was just impressed (laughs) that he knew of any musicals. Yeah. Well, he he has to know enough about musicals to mock men. (laughs) who are interested in acting or singing or performance of any kind. He's not an actor. He's not a performer. He's a man. (laughs) An actual man. And yet JoJo thinks that he's mysterious. Like, I think that she's confusing misogyny with mysteriousness. So I did a poll on my Twitter last night. Um, What's what's really wrong with Chad? Um, (laughs) And the options were... MRA, sociopath, and just too honest. Um, 20%, 21% said MRA. 15% said just too honest. 64% sociopath. <laughs> so I don't know. The internet has spoken, and that's the diagnosis. I do get, in a totally non-diagnosis way, I do get sort of vibes of that. Like, I don't think that he feels for other people He doesn't have all. a whole lot of empathy. No. Yeah. So there is so much to talk about, but I think we need to start wrapping it up. So let's get to the rose ceremony. Let's see. James Taylor, Wells, and Derek already have roses. Um, Alex, Christian, Robbie, Luke, Chase, Jordan, Grant, Ali, Daniel, James F., Nick B., Vinny, Evan, and Chad all stick around. I just have the words seriously in all caps with three question marks next to half of these guys. Like Vinny, Vinny, and Daniel. Daniel. At least Daniel is entertaining. (laughs) Vinny is neither entertaining nor attractive. I feel like he has potential to be entertaining. James S. is more entertaining than Vinny. I agree. And he got sent home along with Will and Hipster Brandon. Yeah. Um, And Alex was getting worked into a real lather about how devalued (laughs) his rose would be. I was like, dude, this is not the Purple Heart. This is not the Medal of Honor. This does not symbolize anything about your worth as a man. 
and the value does not change depending <laughs> on whether Chad gets one. Even though I know he meant well and Chad was so annoying, that the whole rose ceremony confrontation thing made me like Alex a little less because it was just like, okay, just go have a good time. I did like, think it was really funny. So Chad says that he might punch Alex's teeth in. And Alex says, do you think I'm scared of you, bro? And Chad says, I think you are. I think you should be. And I'm like, okay, so first of all, Alex is a Marine. Second (laughs) of all, Luke is also in the military and definitely would take Alex's side over Chad's. Like, there are several other pretty healthy built dudes in the house who would be backing Alex up over Chad. So why exactly should Alex be scared of Chad here? I because think he has just stuffed Alex, himself with his his body weight worth in deli meat. That's true. <laughs> so I think he's going to be full of protein. <laughs> <laughs> Chad has a very um, elevated sense of self worth. Yes. And also, his greatest accomplishment well, was being born good looking. So farewell to Brandon, Will, and James. As hopefully we will see them or some of them on Paradise. And next week we will look forward to two nights of Chad possibly beating one or more of the other gentlemen f- into a bloody pulp. Can I just say four hours of it's Bachelor or Bachelor is too much. I don't As, know anyone who enjoys that. No. I mean, we're into the show. Yeah. Like, we all watch it. We do no- once a week. Once, once a week. Once a week. So I think on that note, you know, there, it leaves us a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. Yeah. Can't wait. Thanks so much for joining us <laughs> today, Thanks for having Charlene. me, guys. <laughs> We're going to take a short break, but stick around. After the break, we'll be joined by Sarah Gertrude Shapiro and Carol Barbie, the creator and showrunner of Lifetime's Unreal, to talk about their upcoming season, which returns next week. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. (laughs) So important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that... I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, 
something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Springtime vibes are in the air, and when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out. You won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space. And even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer Talon has been using Pretty Litter and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan, and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Before we get back to the show, have you had a chance to find Here to Make Friends on iTunes? If not, now is the perfect time to subscribe and give us a rating. Every time we get a new subscription or review, our show climbs the iTunes chart, which helps other people discover our show. Also, feel free to leave all of your many complaints about our vocal fry there. We will roundly ignore them. (laughs) Okay, now back to the show. So today we are speaking with Unreal co-creator Sarah Gertrude Shapiro and Unreal showrunner Carol Barbie. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having having us. us. Yeah. So going into season two of Unreal, what's like the one thing you really want people to know that's going to get them like excited to watch? Um, It's really balls to the walls. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we go harder and bigger in season two without really trying to. We kind of just stayed inside the characters and figured out what they wanted and needed. But what they wanted and needed was fucking insane. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I think it's it's just, um, it's sort of more. And what's really great about season two is that I think we had a lot of pipe to lay, as we say in the biz. (laughs) Um, We had a lot to explain season one in terms of like, this is what these people's jobs are. This is how the show works. And all of that's out of the way now. So it's just, again, balls to the walls, like, you know, rockets to the moon. Like, we there, there, we really had nothing holding us back. It was very, very fun to write. <laughs> that makes us really excited yeah. to watch. <laughs> Good. Uh, when did you decide that you wanted the next suitor to be a person of color? Um, I think it was pretty. I, I've sort of all, always sort of thought that would be a good good move for us in season two. But I think um, once we wrapped season one and we had the in between time um, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do season two, it felt like a no brainer to me. And I 
there was some talk about wanting to do a female suitor, like do a bachelorette kind of thing. And I just um, felt like, you know, in an era while driving while black is dangerous, like it's just so, it's so pressing. There's hardly anything that I think is more important to be talking about. And I also felt like it was a really nice way to break out of sort of like mirroring back the shows that are actually on TV and just doing our own thing that we feel like is relevant and important. Right, so you're not matched up with yeah. The Bachelorette yeah, as not, a direct comparison. Because actually, you know, the thing for me that's been um, a really lovely challenge the entire time with the show has been to, um, to to make it clear that it's not a parody or a satire, that it, it's its own TV show. And so I, like, really the Black Suitor thing was primary and important just for what it is. But the nice side effect of that is that we're actually doing something that's totally our own and and that we've sort of just become our own show, which was really important to me also. Yeah. I mean, the way that we see Rachel and Quinn handling um, the black suitor, Darius, and the the different um, lady suitors, I guess, um, you know, the, the blacktivist, the Confederate flag enthusiast, um, <laughs> is that kind of how you think it would play out if a show like The Bachelor in, re- in the real world tried to have a, a black lead? Yeah, I think that's—it it feels pretty grounded. I mean, I think the feedback that I get a lot from my um, previous coworkers is, like, you know, the plot is—the <laughs> um, plot of the show is 100% fiction. Like, I'm a writer first and foremost. The reality show is a day job. It, but um, so it's, like, very much a TV show written and broken by writers in a writer's room, like a big dramatic TV show. So the plot is 100% fiction. But the feedback I always get is just the world feels, like, 100% believable. And it feels like everyone recognizes those moments and has had those moments. And so um, I do feel like um, we really explored uh, the way that those guys would have to talk the network into having a black suitor. And so Quinn has this conference call with the network where she's trying to sell them on doing it. And it's really interesting to watch the dynamic of Rachel being the idealist and doing it for idealistic reasons and Quinn being like, shut the fuck up. I got this. Let me talk. I'm just going to tell him Twitter is going to explode. Like they don't want they don't like they don't give a shit about the socioeconomic like impact of, you know, like a romantic lead. It, they don't care about any of that. They just want to know what it's going to get them. And so I think it's it's sort of a really beautiful mother daughter moment where where Quinn is saying to Rachel, like, yes, you're naive and you have these ideals, but um, but I can guide you through this and I can get you what you want. So let me do it for you. What we always do is primarily break the story for Quinn and Rachel first. And then we do everything else after that. So while I wanted to have a black suitor, what also worked really well about that was what I wanted for Quinn and Rachel in this season was very specifically for Rachel to have sort of sold her soul and be like full of darkness, but try to do one last great thing. And so it worked really well for their story as well. I love that. I was going to ask you, the central relationship of the first season really felt like it was sort of a fucked up platonic love story between Quinn and Rachel. And I assume from what you're saying, we're going to see that dynamic again in season two. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, that was, it It was how I sold the show and it's, and it's what we always do. I don't know if Carol, if you want to speak to that more, but it's sort of how we break the story. It absolutely is. Um, They're such fascinating characters, and they go to such dark places that it's really fun to sort of figure out where they are. We usually start with um, Rachel because she's the spine of everything. And the show last year was such a fight for Rachel's soul. So this year, um, at the end of last season, she's she's in a bad place, and and Quinn has sort of helped get her there. So we start this season uh, uh, with with uh, Rachel having made a deal 
with Quinn. Not, instead of having her come back and be, um, you know, at odds with Quinn, they've kind of come to a detente, and and Quinn has has promoted her and made her showrunner, even though she she kind of believes that she's not ready for it. And so um, so Quinn is saying, yeah, 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 you're the showrunner, but you see very quickly that Quinn can't let go, and um, so you've got them at odds, and yet they're on the same team. Yeah. They get matching tattoos that say um that say uh, money dick power. It's a <laughs> it's a list. <laughs> oh my god. It's a that. it's a list of priorities so they don't ever fuck up again and fall for their crack, you know, cuz they sort of smoked their own crack last season. <laughs> and so it's to sort of keep them sober and be like these are the things we're after. And I think that because they are sort of soulmates and they are our couple, they're the show's couple. They can get everything they need from each other except for dick. That's, like, the one thing they have to go out and find, which is readily available and never a problem. So it's just sort of, like, keep it on the list as what it is. Don't fall for it. And, of course, that doesn't last very long either. I love what um, at the beginning of the year uh, when Sarah was talking about what, what we, we were going to do for the season, she said uh, that Rachel and Quinn both feel like last year we fell for the princess fantasy ourselves, and that did not work out for us. So, fuck it. We're going to be ballers this year. We're going to act like men. We're going to live like men. And so it's money, dick, dick power. power. So it, it, they, Maybe they I need sh- to get that tattoo. <laughs> I, I think that a lot of women will be we'll getting get that, that tattoo. <laughs> How do you feel about, like, inspiring a lot of women to get that tattoo. Does that make you feel good? I think it's a bad fucking idea. <laughs> I, I think I think if you watch past episode three, you'll realize it's a pretty bad idea. Um, it kind of haunts, it haunts Quinn them. and Rachel. Haunts I think someone who's going to get a tattoo like that is not going to wait until episode three yeah. to go get that tattoo. <laughs> That's right. I do, like, what no could regret. possibly go wrong? Yeah, it's a I do great think, idea. I do think Cosmo's already picked it. Cosmo was like, awesome tattoo. I was like, oh, <laughs> like that no. wasn't quite the point. It was the... It kind of, it kind of is the point. Yeah. Though, like, I think the funny part about it, too, is there's something in, I think it's in episode one, where Quinn, you know, one of the girls is, like, getting changed into a bathing suit, and she's like, what the fuck is that? Like, tramp stamp. She's like, cover up. Wifeys don't have tattoos. And it's, there's such a great moment in that of being, like, by branding themselves, they've sort of been like, we're not wifeys. Right. Like, we're unmarriable. And it's kind of this blood pact that they make with each other. Like, we're done. Like, we're not trying to, we're not trying to get married anymore. Like, we just have each other. And I'm not trying—you know what I mean? By stamping themselves and branding themselves, they're like, we're we're not chosen women. We, we only have each other. It's funny because that really speaks to what a regressive world this is, that, like, getting a tattoo is, like, you're beyond the pale. Yeah, like, exactly. What is respectable as a woman, which is such, like, a 1950s concept. And but on the show, it, yeah. Yeah, and what's interesting, too, about these characters is that is the dichotomy of, yeah, they get those tattoos, be, and and they're, but as time goes on, they both— kind of meet people this season where they can see a beautiful life outside of everlasting for themselves, away from each other and away from everlasting. And you see them sort of think about how that could possibly work out and kind of start getting sold on that dream. And then we we, we see how that yeah. goes. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because the, both the guys that show up from them, I mean, you know, last year, um, very intentionally, Adam was almost Prince Charming. I mean, he's like British, and he keeps talking about Saint Tropez. Like, <laughs> you know, like the dream. Yeah, he has a castle. So that was very much like the real princess fantasy. And Quinn even sort of makes fun of Chet in season one about like, you know, my prince was actually a fat, you know, drug-addled toad. But whatever, he's my prince. Um, but and so and so, what Carol's saying about the guys that show up this year is that they seem more plausible. They're kind of husband material. They're guys that show up like. There's a nice Jewish boy who shows up who's got, like, his family's got a house in Martha's Vineyard and he went to Brown and whatever. So um, there's that kind of stuff. But I think that ultimately 
they keep coming back to the fact that it you say 1950s I say like 1880s like I think that they back <laughs> they actually are they actually are sort of like really romantic at heart and sort of have these very regressive ideas about stuff and I don't think that they're sure they're worthy and I think that's something that we look at a lot yeah I'm sure that's something that a lot of people watching can relate to yeah. this tension between like I'm going to go balls out and also wait I kind of want these other things yeah. and how mm-hmm. do I navigate that I mean these characters defy kind of being pigeonholed and that's a really really nice thing yeah uh, Chet is another favorite character of ours <laughs> and I Chet so much I, I have a deep love for Chet <laughs> uh, but we've heard that in season two he explores the the world of men's rights activism he does <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, as two women who write for the Internet, we have been on the receiving end of some lovely men's rights activism. So we're pretty excited about this storyline. Were you at all nervous about kind of poking that hornet's nest? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was wildly nervous about it. I um, started texting with Craig about it like a few months before we started because I was just sort of like, heard you lost a lot of weight. Keep it off because here's what's happening. And and he and I sort of went down the rabbit hole on researching that stuff together. And um, it is a really, really dark corner of the internet. Um, But what I was interested in talking about was more of what real relatable human need does that that movement come out of? Like, there is, like, a real totally relatable absence in men's life of purpose and power, I think, sometimes, that that is fostering that movement that is super scary and horrible, and I totally condemn it. But there is a, a top line of that, which is sort of what Chet is navigating within, which is about his manhood and his purpose and how to be a man with all of these empowered women around you. So it's like, if if you're not in charge and you're not the leader, then, like, who are you? And, you know, and and sort of feeling like he got castrated last year. And it was interesting. We were talking to, I think when Carol and I were um, sitting down with writers for this season, a guy came in and was talking about the end of season one. And we always thought that, like, Quinn broke Chet's heart when she handed the ring back. That was a big scene for us. When we, when we edited that scene, we were like, oh, it's so heartbreaking because he really seems crushed. And the guy that we were talking to, who's a real dude, was like— He's like, oh, my God, who gives a fuck about that moment? He's like, when she humiliated him in front of the head of the network, that was the end of their relationship. And it was all about castration and power. That's so interesting. Yes. So then we were able to sort of focus. And I actually, we actually sought out writers for Chet mm-hmm. this year because, like, I have a hard time writing men. I was talking about this yesterday. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I love Chet so much now that I, I can definitely write for him and I can definitely write for the guys on the show. But I really wanted to make sure we had a voice in the room that understood the men's rights stuff, like on some sort of level that could relate to what Chet was going through. And it was really great insight to hear that that was the moment and that that really what had happened for Chet in season one was that he got castrated by Quinn. And it helped inform what we were doing. So it's good. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I was really um, intrigued by how you talked about, Sarah, how difficult it was for you to learn how to write fully fleshed out dude characters um, and how you notice women in this very detailed way, but men are just kind of like man blurs. Um, And I thought it was really interesting, too, because that's kind of how a lot of people talk about The Bachelorette is like it's not as fun because that's just a bunch of guys in suits and like they're all the same. Um, Is this just like a thing about men? Like, like, why are they so hard to tell apart? Uh, that's a great question, but I actually think it's it's a unique problem to me because I think <laughs> I think I think that most television writers there are so many shows with male leads. Yeah, it's just I don't watch that kind of TV. I mean, I guess I do. Like I watch Mad Men religiously, but um, 
I just think a lot of people see the world, a lot of male writers, I guess, see the world with men as the main characters. I just have never experienced my life that way, and I don't see the world that way. And so coming into it, it was I was saying yesterday on the Vulture panel that I actually had to have these really awkward friend research dates with guys because my <laughs> girlfriend at the time, it was a DP, and she hung out with guys all the time. And I was like, do you think you could set me up with some guys to hang out with? And she was like, 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 what do you want to do with them? I'm like, so I would, I would go to a bar and be like, so yeah, like, so like, um, like, what do you do with yourself and your feelings? And they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I don't, I don't think men are hard to describe because I think that male writers have a really easy, wonderful time describing men. But I do think that it's really hard to describe when you're sort of coming from the female gaze. Like that, and and your world is sort of built of women. It is. It's hard to figure out how to locate those people, at least for for me. You I should talk th- about that. Though. Well, yeah. but I also think as a, yeah. as a writer, as a television writer, yeah. it's almost less of a male female starting point as it is a, a a leading character and a character, you know, a, a character actor and a leading actor um, point of view. Because most leads on television are men, and so people are used to writing men and ha- having them have purpose and having them have a, a drive and an arc and all that stuff. Um, what's amazing about this show is that the two leads are these women, and they're not perfect, lovely, wonderful women. They are messed up, and and it's so much fun. So there's almost no kind of classic lead on this show. They're all characters, and um, it's so much fun to write that way. So yeah. I, it, it is interesting having the men be sort of the the, the token characters on this show. It's not, it's, there's, I don't want to be, I, like, it's like, I actually have no intention about being cruel about it. Like, no, I, like, no. love our, I love our actors. I love the characters yeah. we wrote. Like, I have a lot of compassion for them. It's just, um, and it's interesting, too, with Quinn and Rachel, like, I kind of hate having to have a male reference point for them, but we sometimes talk about, like, with dialogue with them, it'll come in, and it's like, rule of thumb for me is just make sure they're talking to each other like Walt and Jesse. And not like Sabrina and Blair. Those are the, the like so like so and and then when I was like, wait, what am I trying to say when I say that? And I think that it's about they talk about work mm-hmm. and mentorship mm-hmm. and strategy and power and dominance. And they talk about like you're fucking up, you need to stop fucking up because we need to win. As opposed to you're you hurt my feelings. So like they're it's just an interesting mm-hmm. way to calibrate their dialogue. And again, like I sort of loathe that there's has to be a male reference point for it, but I think that having spent a lot of my life at work and working with women, that is how we talk to mm-hmm. each other when we're working. It's about being effective and getting the job done. And I think, unfortunately, we just haven't really seen that kind of dynamic yeah. much between women on TV because the majority of people running TV shows and writing TV yep. shows are men. The majority of leads are men. So I, I actually appreciate you admitting that it's hard to write male characters and going out and looking for people to fill out those voices because I don't think we see the same care paid to the <laughs> supporting female characters on a lot of shows where the men are leads. Even on our on, on our show with the, the female contestants, we always have this huge cast of female contestants. Every single one of them has a unique personality, has a unique point of view, has an arc, has something they want, has some reason they've come here, has something that's, that could break their heart. So we, we take a lot of care with that, and I think you wouldn't necessarily see that on a show where where a sort of a typical show. We do that with the men, too. I mean, I feel like uh, like Josh Kelly's character of Jeremy yeah. is a good example of that because he was such the romantic, you know, lead last year with, with Rachel, and yet it was always sort of seen that he wasn't 
the man for her forever, but he was such a good person. But they leave him, you guys left him in such a dark place. And so we pick up this year and we say, all right, well, where is that guy now? And what is, wh- who does he become? And rather than keep him in the same place he was last year, no, it's Josh 2.0. Like, where where is he now? And I think he has a really interesting run. He gets to go to some really deep, dark places. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting, like, with the, the Bachelorette and shows like that, that um, it's easy to, like, differentiate minor female characters with, like, this one is, like, a blonde and this one yeah. is a brunette and that one wears tight bandage dresses. And yeah. men are all wearing suits and, like, so you, it, if you don't do, like, <laughs> if you don't do the work to flesh them out, you can't tell them apart. But we're so used to our male characters being, like— up there enough that they get that personality and they well, get fleshed out. Mm-hmm. There's even like a percentage numbers game with that too, like Carol was saying, because Carol really is has written on a huge array of television shows and has written male leads. I've never done that. You know, like she, she's, I respect. She's done it. She's done it. But um, but on The Bachelorette, for example, there's 25 dudes mm-hmm. and just that math, they become the math. Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? And I think that that ratio is sort of inverted and that makes it harder. I've, I've said when I was making The Bachelorette, it's a much harder TV show to make because men are just, it's like, you're like, hey, dude, so I let's just talk, you know, get him on camera and be like, I feel like Doug was really like moving in on you and um, really, really like sort of talking shit about you. And the guy's like, that is cool. <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, I cannot make a TV show out of that. They need to go the men's rights activist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Like, don't you feel like Doug sort of castrated you in that yeah. moment back there? And you're like, they're like, why are you talking about my balls? Like, <laughs> it's, it's really, it's. I find it really, really hard to make television with a bunch of dudes. But yeah, yeah. They, they are less amusing. Yes. Yeah. I think that this. It seems like I don't watch the show anymore, but it seems like the more recent Bachelorettes that. From what I've seen from teasers and stuff, it's like they sort of are playing into roles now and amping up their own drama. Is that true? I don't. I I do think that there is a a, a more um a, a move to take a little bit more agency by yeah. Bachelor. Like, and that's one of the things that I was really interested by with Anna's character last season is that her sort of dramatic conclusion at, when she runs away from the wedding reminded me so much of Andy Dorfman uh-huh. on. The Bachelor, when she, she just, comes out of the fantasy suite and tells Juan Pablo, you know, you this were was terrible, a this You're was awful. awful. Um, and that was sort of the setup for her to become the Bachelorette is when the, the whole audience was like, oh, she's like a badass. Like, uh-huh. she's going to tell him, like, the deal. And so I was sort of like, that's when I was sort of wondering if you were going to go with a female suitor the next season. Yeah, I think that's where the conversation came from was about Anna. You know, like... Um, she was awesome. She was super awesome. And I still... I don't rule that out. You know what I mean? Like, I think that she's still she's still in our universe. She's marrying Freddie Stone. Yeah, we were going to ask yeah. about that. Like, you guys basically have a better track record at this point than the actual Bachelor. Not so trying to true. brag, but... <laughs> but brag a little. I'm bragging a little. I'm bragging a little. No, those guys are great. It's like they're carved out of the same piece of alabaster. It's so cute. <laughs> They're, they're like a cake topper pair. Yeah. It's perfect. They yeah. are. They're amazing. Every time I look over at them, I'm like, I'll be like in my like fucked up world. Everything's all crazy and stressed out. And then I'll look over and it's like a Disney movie. And then I'm like, <laughs> and there's like birds flying yeah. around my head. Animals like, do, 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 start do, 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 making do. lovely noises. Yeah. Music erupts. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and we, we've talked about how you handled writing men in the writer's room. But what about writing this like really and like intense racial plot this season. What was that like for you guys? Especially like you're running the show as white women, 
Quinn and Rachel are running their show about a black suitor as white women. That's like a lot of really interesting dynamics there. So how did you guys deal with that? I sort of came in to the room this year after having talked to Carol about what um, I wanted to do and then sort of put it to the writer's room. Um, uh, There are two women of color in our room and and definitely gave them sort of primary importance in that conversation and just said, so this is what I would like to do this season. I know it's really problematic. I'm really scared. Um, I feel like it's going to be pretty uncomfortable at times. I feel like it's worth doing. Do you guys feel like it's worth doing? And we had that conversation, and it felt like everybody was on board and that it did feel worth doing. And then we just spent the first couple of weeks, a lot of what we did was sort of have um, those two writers talk about their experiences as black women in terms of, like, dating and also, you know, um, foot. Like, there's conversations about football and black men and violence against black men and, and men in the media and what it means to have a black romantic lead. And we just spent a lot of time talking and and letting them talk and listening because I think that that was really important to me that we weren't sort of prescribing what we should do, but that we were just listening to what their experience actually was. And then they pretty much had free reign for the rest of the season if anything felt like we weren't hitting it right to just sort of nix it. And then we had to go about just writing a TV show and making, you know, coming up with the most interesting plot. But I think that there were some really primary things put in place. And I was um, shocked. I felt like in those two weeks, like, I learned more about race than I could even have imagined. And I feel like I'm a person who's paid a lot of attention to it. But specifically some of the problems with white feminism when it comes to black women. And I just – that was something that I peripherally had thought about but just hadn't actually sat and listened to two black women sort of tell me what their experience is with it. And that was super informative to how – we wrote, wrote Rachel and um, Ruby, who's the black activist character. But is that pretty much absolutely? And yeah. I'm I'm from the South. I'm from North Carolina, and um, I've I've written about race a lot. It's sort of like it creeps into everything because it's sort of the the world I have always lived in. And BJ, our first black bachelor, is actually from North Carolina too. And and uh, um, so what I kept saying all along the way was like I'm I'm all about writing about race, but let's just make sure that we do it in a really specific, truthful way because what's hard as a Southerner is when you see those stories told, the Southerners are all sort of caricatures. And uh, and that I don't that's not necessarily because anybody is trying to just intentionally be insulting the Southerners. They just have seen movies and television where that's the way Southerners are, are presented. So um, so that was sort of my thing all the way through is just making sure that literally the character of Beth Ann, who's got the Confederate flag bikini on, which is, which is insane. Like the Confederate <laughs> flag is the most hateful symbol, and it is in the South as well. There's a very small group of people who will say otherwise. Um, so, so I know how offensive that symbol is. And so, but to make that character real and to have her be someone with a point of view where she's just never been outside of her own circle of, of family and friends, and she's never been to the wider world, and, and she doesn't question her beliefs or her bikini until she <laughs> until she does. And what I love, love, love is is how uh, there's there's a line in there where she she actually falls in love with with Darius, with the black suitor, and while she's wearing a bikini, I mean this Confederate flag, and there's this idea of you know racism is confusing and and race is confusing, and that's how it is in the South. So um, anyway, I, I, it, it was an interesting, it was an, those were, those were some of the most heated conversations for me, just making sure that we, we were specific and, and yeah. true. Yeah. And it was also just such great story fodder because it, um, 
Also for Jay, who's a really wonderful character on our show, he's the, one of the other producers and he is black. And I think that um, it was such great story fodder in terms of sort of yeah. activating him because Rachel brings in a black suitor, is taking all this credit for it, patting herself on the back for it and treating him like a peon and ordering him around like in terms of serving her greater purpose. And the complexities of that are so, so fucked up and so hard to even look at. But um, but that's when we were having the conversations about white feminism and sort of white liberalism and the privilege of having a liberal arts education and feeling really holier than thou and all of those sort of white paternalism coming in and being like, I know better for you guys and I'm going to save you and I'll make a right decision and look at what I've done. And I'm so, you know, and, and we really thought about it in terms of Rachel sort of, um, again, just patting herself on the back and taking a lot of credit for something she couldn't possibly understand. I think these are conversations that are happening a lot in the wider world. So it's exciting to me to see a show like yours tackling that. Um, I think pop culture is just really powerful and reactivating these conversations. And it definitely, I was going to say too, it just definitely never felt safe. Like, you know what I mean? In a good way. It never felt like a safe zone. Like, it wasn't like we got to a place where we're like, oh, yeah, we're bulletproof. No one's going to freak out on Twitter. We were just like, we're just like we are like good-hearted people trying to do the best we can to write this story as as honestly and humanly as we can, and we're probably going to fuck up at some point, but we think it's worth doing. And there's no way that yeah. somebody's not going to be of course upset and offended, of course. But yeah. one of the things I think is really interesting between Rachel and Jay is that they are friends and they have sort of come up through the ranks together. So they're sort of on the same level, but they're not because Rachel now has been raised up above him, even though she's a little less stable and maybe not ready. <laughs> To, to have that. And so to watch them on so many different levels, to watch them just as friends, to watch them as co-workers, to watch them as co-workers who one feels the other is being given something that's not due to them. But then there comes a point in the season where I think everybody sort of starts the season out, including the ba- Black Bachelor, saying, you know, I'm not about race. Like, I, you know, we're this. I don't have a big opinion. I don't want to, you know, we're doing this because it'll be noisy television. There comes a point. Except in this, for Rachel, who's always like, yeah, Rachel's like, I'm going to change the, the world. world. She keeps saying, she has a great line. I'm not manic. I'm going to, I'm changing the world. And you're like, you're totally manic. Um, <laughs> but there comes a point in the season where nobody can stay on the fence anymore, where everybody has to figure out where they are. And, um, and that's, that gets really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I know, obviously, that you've differentiated yourself from the actual Bachelor franchise, but this does come at an interesting moment given that we were sort of promised by Paul okay. Lee that the next Bachelorette would be a woman of color. Then he exited. And, of course, now we have JoJo as the lead, who is white-appearing. She is half-Persian. <laughs> yeah, yeah white-presenting, white yeah. despite the fact she is half-Persian. Um, so I wonder kind of what you think about your show going to that place before the actual franchise does and it's been running since 2002. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, again, like it's not, it wasn't the reason to do it. I think it for me is like we have a platform. We have a responsibility to do something with that platform. You know, we are what we are as a TV show but I think that again, it was one of the reasons we all held hands and said, let's do this because it's better than not doing it. Even though it is problematic, even though it's a show run by two white women, like it's like that is, that's problematic but it's still worth doing and I think that it just takes the balls to do it even though you might get in trouble and even though ad sales might not like it or whatever it is that scares them it's right. it's just like taking that leap and i do think it's it's 
it's time. It's time. And, and hope, not to sound too much like yeah. Quinn, but yeah. I really feel like in television, the only safe place is the not safe place. The only place to really have a show that matters or gets any sort of eyeballs on it is to do things that that provoke. And and I think it's I think it's a good conversation to have. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see what Chris Harrison is going to say because he's really pushed back on questions about uh, a bachelor or bachelorette of color. And he also— I haven't heard what he said. Yeah, what's that about? about? We asked him about this. Yeah. Um, and his sort of—his answer was sort of, we wouldn't want to choose a lead that we didn't think could carry the show. And okay, kind of implied that it could be a, a, fi- a financial— okay. Strain that he basically implied that you know the show employs a lot of people, so they wouldn't want to choose someone who could put those who's not jobs viable. In jeopardy. And that assumes yeah. that okay, yeah. right, exactly. right. There's a lot. There's a lot in that answer. But I, I would say this though: it's like I mean, I think that's probably based on research. I don't think that like that's that may not be Chris's personal opinion. Um, I think the fact that that Cheerios commercial. I don't know if you guys know what that Cheerios commercial was, but it was like a biracial family with a black dad and a white wife and a very cute little kid who brought some Cheerios to her dad and the KKK like came out to take them down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's it's um, scary, legitimately scary for them because I think that a black man dating a white woman is still really controversial in 2016. And I think that is absolutely insane, but it it, it appears to be true. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could always have a black bachelorette. I, I think that would be... Yeah. Uncontroversial for everyone. <laughs> yeah. But I also think it is a little antiquated. Like, I don't know. I, it does feel a little bit behind the times to me that they f- they really feel like it would take down the show or that people would lose their jobs. I'm not sure that that's accurate at this point. Yeah. I think you might yeah. actually invite a whole new audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing that, like, as someone who covers race and entertainment um, from time to time, that interests me is how often these movies or TV shows get made where they're like, oh, we had to cast this role that was originally written for a black person or an Asian person as white for financial reasons. And then the, the show is like a big flop. Yeah. And it's right. like I think a lot of it is is – Fear rather than actual research is that it's what they're used to, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily what people really want anymore. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting to see how like The Bachelor is is navigating that and how how Unreal is navigating that <laughs> well, in a very well, different way. TBD, guys. TBD. Gen sex. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we, we certainly will. Find out. Won't we? Yeah. Yeah. I I personally can't wait. <laughs> Sam. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for a good question. Thanks so much. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. (laughs) And now, welcome to Feminism Fails, where we rate the most cringeworthy anti-lady moments of the week on our very own patented Feminism Fail Scale. One, you do you, bro. Two, that's questionable. Three, not cool people. Four, the 1950s are back. Five, Gender equality is straight up dead. And now it's Feminism Fails. This whole episode was a steaming heap of hot misogynistic trash. But here are some standout moments. First, Chad insists he doesn't know JoJo well enough to say anything nice about her. But he does know her well enough to repeatedly speak for what she wants in a man. Him, basically. That's a five. Sorry, Chad, you're not in charge of JoJo. 
And then the ESPN announcers say they're there to protect JoJo and choose a man for her, like big brothers. That's also a five because I'm sorry, strange men who have met JoJo for the first time today. You maybe don't actually need to protect her or speak for her needs. Yeah, I think that brothers stopped choosing our spouses like several hundred years ago. Well, here's hoping. Next, Chad calls JoJo a nag, then spins it as supreme manly honesty. We're giving that a five because if I have to hear the word nag associated with women expressing their feelings ever again, I might just have my head explode in a giant (laughs) bloody ball. I think your head might explode by the time Chad actually gets kicked off this thing. That is true. (laughs) And then, of course, our fair ESPN announcers say, hands off the merchandise when Chad picks JoJo up during a challenge during the ESPN date, which would make JoJo the merchandise. Ugh, ugh, five. Yeah, you cannot get much more literal with objectification. And finally, at the firefighting challenge group date— The men compete to see who can make sure JoJo is safe in an emergency, like a damsel in distress, because that's not why we pay taxes to make sure we have emergency services in our modern society. Thank you for your service, Grant. Yes, that's a five. And now for our tweet of the week. This week, it comes from Jenny Jaffe, at Jenny Jaffe. I would be a terrible bachelorette, but I do want 20 bland men to applaud everything I do. So what are my options? Not looking good. Sorry. We do wonder the same thing, Jenny. (laughs) And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guests, Charlene Joint, Sarah Gertrude Shapiro, and Carol Barbie. And of course, thanks to our producer, Nick Offenberg. Have you had a chance to find Here to Make Friends on iTunes? If not, now is the perfect time to subscribe and give us a rating and let us know how much you hate our voices. Every time we get a new subscription or review, our show climbs the iTunes chart, which helps other people discover our show. In related news, Here to Make Friends is now on Facebook. Please like us. It makes us feel so loved. And you'll see all the fun memes and GIFs and news articles we post. And our live show, streaming Monday nights after The Bachelorette. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. Or you can send us an email, here to make friends at HuffingtonPost.com. Thanks for listening. Check back next week for a special double recap episode. Whew. Thanks, ABC. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.